0: Welcome back to another episode of AACW Podcast I hope you're following us on Instagram at AACW Podcast And I hope you're preparing yourselves for um, an Instagram Live At the beginning of next month, November It's nice to have you people around It's nice to have the audience that I, that we have listening to us And um, We've received a few beautiful comments And a few argument too that have been kind of nice to answer and I hope that this continues as um, often as possible this is episode 4 of 54 after this we have 50 more episodes so jump on the train as quickly as possible so you don't miss out again follow us on instagram at aacwpodcast and also um, try to reach out to us if you have any queries and any um, suggestions last week we talked about uh, a trip i had to rotterdam but this week i'm going to i realized that uh, on a walk i realized that um, we never talked about how to really look at things because uh, as an african what is what what lies on said is the fact that we have a unique way right from birth of seeing the world and a unique way of coming to conclusions of things, and that way is has not been maximized the way it should have been. So, what what we see it, when we look at look at things as clearly as we can, we see the essence of things as against um, the process in things. I mean, it it, it sounds confusing, but. Let's take an example, an example I, um, I always give in my lectures is the example of um, art that comes from Africa and art that comes from Europe and I, I, I hate to make this contrasting arguments, but um, this is the best way to open one's eyes to see in the right, right way. Art that comes from Europe focuses solely on detail and on trying to create a second kind of reality. Um, you see Michelangelo's David, for instance, is pure detail. It's, it's, as, it's, it's as detailed as the most detailed human form, the proportions are in order, etc, etc. While I don't believe generally that there's anything like an African art, because there's really nothing like an African art, there's a spirit that is carved in or, or molded into form, and that spirit is more important than the, sculptor, than the sculptural value that the art pieces have been given today. So that spirit, like a chi, like a spirit is carved into, is an essence that is carved into form. Therefore, the insistence on detail as a thing becomes less and less important. As what comes out is less of a piece of art in the conventional sense of the word, although it's artistic, but more of uh, an object of of an understanding of essence uh, that's a lot of words but in, in reality when an African priest makes a sculpture or an African artist in, in antiquity made a sculpture he didn't make it because of its artistic value he didn't make it to keep in his house he made it as the as way the way he saw a, a god or a phenomenon in life and he captured that phenomenon in form so that that form itself could be translated and be transformed beyond its its presence its present essence its present form so when you look at an african sculpture you're always able to find other layers with your own understanding if you have the eyes you can find other layers from the sculpture against when you look at the european sculpture that it is what it is so if we take this a little bit further and here's where the argument gets a little bit more complex as africans we have been educated to explain our environment in a in a in, in a more european um in a more european way which is not there's nothing wrong with that really but It's the fact that a fish cannot be expected to climb a tree, yeah. Which is a saying that I I really never got, but I I I can say that you cannot judge a fish by how it how it climbs a tree, yeah. So we've been trained to look at our environment from a perspective of of its failures as against its I wouldn't say merit but as against what it really is first, here's what I mean. When Wale Shoenka wrote a book that was, um, well I wouldn't say Wale Shonka's book, um, a lot of the writers in the 60s and 70s, African writers in the 60s and 70s, did their best in their, in their need to be afrocentric, which is a very derogatory word if you ask them, in their need to be afrocentric. They wrote their books trying to explain Africanness to themselves in European terms, being that the language with which the book was written cannot capture the essence of the subject they're writing about. therefore, it always becomes a comparison of, of it, it you always, it always writes out Africa as an under-civilized and underdeveloped place that we're trying to make our neighbors see our merit as against writing about Africa with its merits. So therefore you'd have writers explaining the pantheons of, for instance, Yoruba, the Yoruba deities, but instead of looking at the Yoruba deities as they as they were, what are they? What do they do? We're looking at them and making an arrangement of them, pari or side by side with the Greek Pantheon of gods. So it means that the Yoruba Pantheon only exists because of the Greek Pantheon. So it doesn't give the identity that we need as a people to be looked at and to create on the level that we should create as people and the the examples can go on and on and on and on the fact of it is that if you look at history you find that these things are very very um, kind of prominent in history and these things have filtered themselves into our explanation of our architecture now in in history you, you find things like and this this is a little bit more technical. You find a thing like the, the way that um, Africans built versus the way that the Europeans built. And it's unfortunate that we have to look at these versus battles because we're in an age of versus. Um, but the thing is, comparing one with the other tries to make you understand each of them's merits sometimes. The way that Africans built, we built in... Or let's say the most of the traditional Africa built in mud, and didn't have to. But, uh, but that's minus places like Zimbabwe and Egypt, they didn't have to change that material because of the temperature. It worked just perfectly with the temperature, and therefore, by by what we what we what we able to do was to build modestly in mud, build around economic value in mud, and with it, that 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 meant that. All that needed to be invented in Africa for structures were things like domes and, um, and um, arches. Whereas in Europe, because of the temperature, mud is not a very feasible material in the sense of, yeah it might be, but, but typically European architecture is built of more solid materials. And as a culture, they transcended towards more permanence. Than, uh, than we did. And their permanence was brought out about by many things. I mean, their kingly structures, the way their society is fragmented, the cold, all sorts of things can be the reasons why they opted to build a, a more a, a more permanent um, kind of architecture than us. But you'd find that because of their the, the weight of the walls, for instance. They had to keep on inventing because they, they, they used stone as a material to build. They had to keep inventing and reinventing and reinventing themselves such that th- those inventions, those inventions of walls, the straighter the walls, the higher the walls had to be. They had to keep inventing structures to ensure that these walls don't collapse either way forward or backward. Hence the flying buttress, which stops the wall from collapsing out on itself. Um, uh, the stone arches, uh, uh, Brunelleschi's dome, uh, things like that. But in Africa, that was not necessary because, what we when we started to build for God, we built modestly for God. When we started to build for kings, we built modestly for kings. It was not we, we did we never built the grand old, kingly residence in the sense of soaring to to the skies. So, again. It's the perspective by which we look at things. We typically want to condemn what we have because we think that our neighbors... I mean, there, there's a whole... Rem Kulas wrote a whole thesis on this. If you build a wall in, in, in a city and, and call one side the good half and the other side the bad half, the people at the bad half always want to come to the good good half until they make the good half bad which is what happened in berlin the berlin war um uh, and etc etc which by the way is what his, his thesis was about so again we, we need the, the idea is to be able to look at our, our environment with the eyes of the environment themselves and look for it's not about it's not a question of merit and lack of merit but look at what is there as against what is in our neighbor's where our neighbors are, and that kind of development. Every every culture, every city, every civilization has its own one timing, two, culture, three, its own kind of civilization, four, its own advancement. Therefore, if we keep looking at Africa with the eyes that we are less advanced than the European world, because the outward manifestation of the African um, advancement and the outward manifestation of the European advancement are different. We tend to dehumanize ourselves and not move forward in the way we're supposed to. This has to stop because in a thousand years, Africa and Europe will never look alike or be the same. And we can't keep pursuing a development agenda. That is not a development agenda in the sense that we want to make a better, continent for ourselves and the future instead we want to make a mini europe or a mini dubai but dubai made a dubai and a mini dubai would never be dubai and a mini europe would never be europe so i think perhaps we should liberate ourselves first architecturally then we can start to liberate ourselves also economically we have to see what we have as it is and for what it is and not try to make it with the Europeans. thank you for listening and uh, we'll have another exciting episode next week uh, I believe we'll talk more about architecture next week uh, have a nice week and don't forget to follow us on Instagram at AACW Podcast thank you very much and cheers